Fellow community, welcome back to the podcast. Happy October. I mean, can you believe it? <laughs> I can't. I can't believe it's possible that October is already here. Where has the time gone? Perhaps some of you, you're holding services in person now and you're getting back to the old familiar rhythm. Maybe you're a little rusty, but you know, it's coming back to you. You sort of remember muscle memory kicking in. For some of you, maybe you're still way different from normal. You're still completely online and no end in sight, but you know, you figured out that new normal. Wherever you are, welcome to our podcast. And speaking of normal, it's nice uh, that the fall time is here. I like the cooler weather, like when football kicks back in. And I'm not talking about like college football, although that's cool. Big Auburn fan, Auburn University, War Eagle. But I'm talking about European football. They've started up again. If you follow European football at all, you know that it never really kind of stopped. It just kind of rolled from one season to the next this year. So I'm enjoying my teams, Dortmund and Manchester City. They're playing Saturday mornings. Just the normal of seeing people in the stands. It's been kind of nice to see normal returning there a little bit. All that to say, I hope for you that, you know, some form of normal is returning to your life. For me, it's something as insignificant as European soccer anyway. If this is your first time listening to our podcast, I'm not generally talking about soccer um, and that sort of thing. But our goal really is to help technical artists in the local church become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. And so we do this with the podcast, but also through Philo Coaching and Philo Staffing, the Philo Conference, and we have a bunch of other resources. And speaking of other resources, we're finally able to announce that our latest resource, the Philo book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, is now available as an audiobook. Now you don't have to just listen to this podcast to hear my amazing voice. That's right. I'm the narrator. And as someone who likes to listen to audiobooks, I really appreciate when the author reads their own book. You know, most authors write in their own unique voice, and so I like hearing them reading the content. But I'm not going to lie, reading my book was not my favorite experience. Normally for me, when I read out loud, I have a difficult time not yawning, but I don't think I did once this time. So that says something about the book or maybe just the fact that I was being recorded while reading kept me from yawning. Anyway, uh, you can get your copy on Amazon slash Audible uh, or the Apple Audiobook Store. It's in both places or all three places, depending on how you count. If you're looking for a way to bring your team closer together interpersonally, but also as it relates to production at your church, I really feel like this book is an effective tool for getting everyone on the same page about what matters and what doesn't. There are discussion questions at the end of each chapter. And yes, I do read the questions in the audiobook. They're for your team to talk through together just to see what are we all thinking about these topics. So whether you're getting together as a team or you need a connection point on Zoom, I really think I love Jesus, but I hate Christmas could be the perfect tool for taking your team to the next level. So uh, if you want more than 10 books, uh, we have a discount on our website. So go to our website. You can get a discount if you buy 10 or more. I've got a couple other announcements, but we'll save those for the end of our podcast. Today's guest is Nate Krause. He's a co-founder of Amplio. I think you've heard of them. They usually have a giant lounge at Philo the huge donut wall, and they do a lot of integrations for churches with AVL. And currently, Nate leads their systems and portable divisions. So he's kind of the mastermind behind the gear and how it goes together and why it goes together in a certain way. Anyway, we've been friends for about 10 years, and it was good to sit down and just sort of catch up about church production, the challenges of having a multi-site church, and all things fire truck design. So let's just dive right in. How's it going, Nate? Hello, sir. Doing well. 
Yeah. So Nate uh, has been a TD, a multi-site church. He's been a fire truck designer, uh, engineer, and now currently works at Amplio Systems. Great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Todd. Appreciate it. Yeah, we're going to talk about all that stuff too. I, we're not going to leave any stone unturned. Oh, man. But we were talking earlier before we started recording just about how we met, how long we've known each other, and I'm thinking 10 years or thereabouts. Yeah, that, right? that seems about right, yeah. And I think we were at a multi-site church technical director's roundtable. Yeah, down at Fellowship. Yeah, the only thing yeah. I remember about that is just walking into a room and just looking at a massive wall of archival tapes that was seemingly <laughs> way too high, way too tall. And yeah, we get yeah. through it. We're all like wide-eyed and overwhelmed by it. And we get to the end and it's like, and then, you know, there's the off-site storage too, where, <laughs> you know, this, this, I forget how many weeks it was in there, but it was, it was pretty incredible. Yeah. It's like the Indiana Jones, like the closing credits where the Ark right. of the Covenant, you know, the, the it's warehouse the is so big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think they were like, what, DVC Pro tapes or something yeah. like that. That was so 10 years ago. Yeah. There were no digital they weren't hard drives. I remember that. I mean, back in the olden days of 10 years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah, so we met at Fellowship Church, yeah, to, and there were maybe 10 of us at this thing. And so a lot of, a lot of people that have been on this podcast, we all met at that roundtable, it seemed like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a formative group, really. Yeah. That, uh, I think that was the first time also I ate at Hard Eight Barbecue. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Start the tradition. Yeah. I think, yeah, Fellowship Church, you can smell Heart 8 when you walk outside. It's so close. Oh, it's wonderful. That's what I recall. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we, I think we've established we've known each other for a while, back when there were videotapes. Uh, let's sort of back, back things up and talk about kind of how you got involved in church production, what did that look like for you, and then maybe what you're doing now. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's funny. I don't think I've actually like pieced together the timeline. And so we started talking through this of, of what that looked like. But I started back volunteering for my church and doing local crew back in the kind of 95, 96. I think most people probably did that. The, uh, the original console at our church that the sound guy at the time wouldn't let me touch when I was growing up was basically a big rack with the huge rheostat nods for the mixers, <laughs> you know, like just the, the big clunky pieces. And that, that's, that's what that audio was. Yeah, you could feel like the, the metal thing rubbing against the, the copper coil. Oh, that was man. Behind the <laughs> it's the most amazing feeling. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it started out with that on, I think it was just like a four or six channel mixer in that space. They eventually upgraded and got some better stuff. But that kind of started the, you know, the thinking be, behind it. I started off, ended up working in a computer shop. So starting off okay. there, this was right at the turn where the first sub $2,000 PCs were coming out. Oh, and wow. it actually destroyed a lot of like mid-grade computer shops. Okay. So that actually went under. And I went from there and then became an actual webmaster, <laughs> which when, when that was a job, like way back wow. in the day. <laughs> I haven't heard webmaster in a long time. Is that still a thing? Nope. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's too split out at this point. There's too many too layers many to it and front yeah, and back okay. end developers. And yeah. Yeah. To have one guy solely responsible for that for a company isn't. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. Anymore. Yeah. Good to know. Okay. So from there to the fire trucks, this, this is the part I'm excited about. <laughs> that, that, that is the fire truck. So that, that was <laughs> yeah. starting off 
So I worked effectively for the same fire truck company for nine years over three different states. Okay. So worked for a company in Pennsylvania and they, with the help of a larger company, bought another company, moved over there, a whole bunch of backend stuff to it. But uh-huh. that was really a significant amount of like the backstory of how I learned to do multiple things. Okay. So between those various jobs, I was anywhere from marketing communications to information technology. And the thing that helped me the most that I learned out of that position in marketing communications was all the dealerships that we had to deal with from okay. a fire truck manufacturer was actually very similar when I bumped over and moved to working at a church that was multi-site campuses uh-huh. because you're learning how to deal with all of you know all the different ideas and what's competing and what's different. So it's an interesting experience for sure. Sure, yeah. But fire trucks. So what kind of fire trucks are we talking about? Like the big ladder trucks, the yeah. the, the airport fire trucks, or all of the all of them? All, all of the above. So the, the facility I started out with was actually the one that did all the ladder trucks. Okay. So my favorite of all the trucks, to the, <laughs> just for a little, it's <laughs> basically called a mid-mount ladder. Okay. And it's where the, the rotating piece of it is in the middle of the truck. Okay. Platform sticks off the back and they have this just really amazing platform that can you know, go up and it's like a 93 foot extension into the air and it can flow 2000 gallons of water, like directly off the side of it in a 60 mile per hour wind. And man, that was super fun to be able to go and play around with those. Now I'd be interested to know, like are fire truck designs changing all the time or is it like the auto manufacturers that like have a model that lasts for five years and then they change it? Or how does that work? Yeah, so different pieces of it uh, have different timelines. So if you're going to take all the engineering and R&D to make a big structural ladder piece, that's not really changing a whole lot. Sure. But as far as the body goes, the back end of it, Uh that is customized for every department. So it's very much about here's the base unit we have and then what type of unit is it? How do you configure it? What are you putting in it? Got what does it. your uh, municipality require? Huh, cool. Anyway, yeah, that's kind of a side note. Yep. So there you go. are you from Pennsylvania then and kind of moved around and yeah. then ended up down in South Carolina or what's the... Yeah, Pennsylvania is, is basically home for me uh-huh. and uh, then moved from there to North Carolina uh, and then down to South Carolina. And then how did you make the jump from that to working at a church? Yeah, so that company basically got sold, moved to another investment firm at the end. They've, they've actually gone under since then. Oh. Um, but in the process of that, basically transitioned out and just started my own thing, doing video production and, you know, just some odd technology stuff. At the time, I was volunteering heavily at the church I ended up working at and did some video stuff for them, which turned into kind of a job interview, which turned into me being hired as the video guy. Okay. And then shortly thereafter, turned into the old tech director left. And they looked at me and said, hey, you, you could probably help out with some of this technology stuff. And, uh, and so that began. <laughs> that sounds a little bit like my uh, journey where I was like the nearest warm body when the guy left, you know, the old guy left and like, eh, yeah, you'll do. And just like I was thrown in. So, <laughs> sure. so I guess I didn't know that about you, that you were like doing video creation. So you're like shooting and editing and those types of things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a lot of the background that I was doing uh, at the fire truck manufacturer okay. was, was doing a lot of the internal marketing pieces and, and their events and their production. So okay, all right. Lear- learning, you know, what that is and then taking that on my own, it was the thing that I knew the best. Sure. And then w- what was that transition like to like making videos for the church that's being played at probably all the campuses? Now I'm like, I have to figure out how we're playing it at all the campuses or, you know, just like dealing with the the organizational 
structure technology piece? Yeah, I mean, I had a really great opportunity to be just, you know, part of a church doing multi-site, being on the forefront of it and figuring out how to do everything. But at the same time, it was, we didn't have big budgets. You know, we didn't have fellowship walls of, of videotapes and other <laughs> things we were looking at. So the entire, the entire culture of that was, how do we do this, you know, effectively as, as, as cheap as we possibly can? Mm-hmm. And that philosophy of how that worked kind of really drove a lot of what I learned moving forward was, you know, when you don't have the budget, creativity really comes into bear as far as what those solutions sure. look like and what you can do with it and what makes them really the most sense for everybody on the other end because everybody was volunteer. We didn't have staff people, you know, even as a production people, I think, you know, it's like effectively two and a half people were running 13 campuses oh from a central support standpoint. And you were kind of, your 13 campuses were not like in one metro area. They were all over the state of South Carolina, right? Oh, three different states. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Georgia and North Carolina as well. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. I mean, two and a half people doing all that. I mean, were you like on the road every weekend or how did you how did you manage that? Because there was no Zoom calls. Really? No. I mean, I guess there was Skype. You could do Skype if you if you needed to. Yeah, I mean, at, at the time, everything was, we hadn't uh, yet done any file transfer to the locations, so we were still duplicating DVDs, recording those each week, getting them out to all the campuses. The periods of time when we were on a week delay was really helpful, but I mean... <laughs> you had a whole week the, to drive you know, to Georgia. Mother's yeah. Day, <laughs> Easter, Christmas, like all of those things, you're duplicating it on Saturday night and figuring out how to get this thing to Asheville the next morning. Right, right. Wow. So you were working at Seacoast Church, which is still a big multi-site campus church, but you guys were really on the forefront of doing multi-site this particular way, which was spread out all over. And I mean, did it was it exciting to be a part of, or was your hair on fire the whole time that you didn't really look up to notice that, hey, we're doing something pretty amazing here? I think you gain the perspective of how instrumental they were after you're you're not engrossed in the day-to-day of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's really all about the individual details of it and what is the next thing and what's the system that we're doing. I talk to my crew a lot about just having different levels of thinking about stuff. Mm-hmm. So like the down at the ground level, a 10,000 foot level and a 30,000 foot level. At the time, I was certainly down on the ground in the weeds <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And you really don't gain that perspective till later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine just w- with only two and a half people for 13 campuses spread over three states, you're you're just kind of running as fast as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Without the luxury of looking around and saying, hey, this is pretty cool. <laughs> so you're working at Seacoast. How long were you there? Yeah. So uh, I was there for four years and then effectively at the end of it went out uh, back on my own. I uh, really had a heart for taking what I've I learned there from a multi-site campus model and and just so you know under the leadership there and figuring out uh, how to do that for other churches around and had the idea that you know maybe I could take this experience and and do that for lots of churches all over the place. Okay. So spent spent a couple of years contracting and doing a lot of those things out on my own with my own consultancy and uh, eventually ended up in Chicago uh, via one of those contracts. Um, when Jeff and I started Amplio. Okay. And how long has Amplio been going now? So we'll be eight years this Easter. So we started 2013. Wow. It's scary to think that 2013 was eight years ago, but if we could back up, why did you leave? Like what was, what, what was the impetus yeah. to get you to leave 
seacoast. I, I mean, just towards the end, just compl- I mean, ultimately, just complete burnout. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah. you have you you get to a point where you've expended so much of yourself working seven days a week, and you just it's it's just hard. I mean, the light. I mean, you you know this well. Yeah. The life of a technical artist always will take every ounce that you want to give towards it, and then more. And that just gets really difficult. Right, right. Yeah, you just end up being burnt out and not being able to make good decisions and just needing to do other things to just re-inspire that, that creative ability that, that kind of inspires us to do what we do. Like this technology is, is our gifting. It's, it's, it's what we do. It's the thing that we know how to take something and make it better and use that as a tool for the kingdom. And I don't think that ever goes away. Right. But the you know, politics, if you will, of being in a church and understanding what that side of it is, that that's obviously a lot more difficult. Yeah. I'm going to way oversimplify this. Burnout is like a two-sided thing. So there's like the organization that's pushing and making you work seven days a week. And then there's the side of me that it's like, I am agreeing to this. And so somewhere, yeah. somewhere there's maybe a happier middle ground, but I feel like it's not always the fault of the organization. It's sometimes it's my responsibility also. Do you feel like you have any clarity or understanding of that having left and now doing something different? Has it followed you? Like, are you still like burning yourself out or yeah. And I don't want to still definitely a work. I don't want to throw Seacoast under the bus or anything like that, but I'm just curious. Like, Oh, they're, they're, they're not at all. The perspective that I have now looking back at that time, I did it all to myself. Okay. It was, it was really on me. I mean, I I had some good leadership throughout uh, the time there and uh, they weren't pushing that. It was just, it's a small crew and people who really cared about what they wanted. And I take probably 85% of that responsibility on me in retrospect, whether that's actually correct or not. Yeah. It's, I think the hard part in my own story is that I, I was my hobby. I love doing production work. I was doing, I would work full time and then go do that. It was filling me up. It was amazing. And then suddenly it's my, it is my job. And I, Mm -hmm. I work a full day and then I keep working as my hobby. And now I'm, seven days in and yeah, love it. But yeah, you just can't sustain it. Right. So now you were at Seacoast four years. Now you're moved on. Like how, how has that, you know, the burnout, maybe that's one thing, but just how you did things, how multi-site could work. How has some of that in maybe retrospect helped you do what you're doing now? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it really helps a lot. You take essentially a volunteer focused how do we make the best thing for the people that we have, meet people where they are, just really trying to understand what's what's different and unique about that church and, and how you can meet it. And that's perspective that you gain after you're no longer at, at a place. I mean, at the time, it was the first church that I, I worked with and worked mm-hmm. for. And so you are spending four years learning the way they do it and what their culture is. And then you step away from that and you go, oh, there's there's different churches and different ways of doing things. And, and you know, people have different demands. What does that actually look like? And uh, what does it take to actually figure out how to help them in their path and where they're at? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, kind of the perspective between, you know, stepping into a couple hundred churches after that and just really having a solid base of, of how to interact with, with a bunch of people all over and then being able to have a whole bunch of variety to look at 
for what are all the other solutions and, and things that we can look at is really helpful. Right. Now, one of the things you talked about a little bit earlier, mostly volunteer crew at Seacoast, you're trying to do more with less. I mean, is that something that you see in a lot of the churches that you're working with or even something that you are always thinking about? Or do you give yourself the chance to like dream big and think about, oh, if we only had that, uh, that room full of tapes like fellowship, then, you know, then things would be perfect. I don't know. I mean, would they define that as perfect? <laughs> they try to get rid of that yeah, probably not. <laughs> no, I mean, everybody's limited by it, right? Every dollar we spend is tithe dollars. It's coming from a family. We're doing something with it. We're trying to figure out how to multiply it in the, in the best way possible. And we don't have the access to unlimited budgets for most of these areas. Most of the places, uh, churches we are working with, we know we're doing a project with them and we're focusing on infrastructure and getting them in the door and letting them uh, have a, a new space or a new tool or, a, a, you know, something else that helps them take the next step in their journey and expand that out, knowing that we're thinking what's phase two, what's phase three, how do we get from where we are today to where they're at? And so that's it's really for us, it's more about asking their story and where they're at and the why of, of what drove them to, to needing something as opposed to the actual technological thing. In, in some ways, the technology piece is actually the easy part. Figuring right. out the why and what's the right thing in their story is much more difficult. And do you find that uh, some of the places that you're working with, that the, the tech team there has strong opinions about well, we have to have this console or, you know, can only use this projector or people doing projectors anymore. Yeah, whatever. That they, they have very specific ideas, but that, that don't really match the why or they're not even thinking about why they need it. Yeah, I mean, that's a part of just asking a lot of questions is mm -hmm. how do we separate out what, what is a true need for what you uh, require to do something? Obviously, if you have a big band on stage, having a smaller channel count console that does not meet your need. Do you need a super high-end $100,000 console? Maybe not. In most cases, you don't, but plenty of places mm -hmm. do. So the requirements of the space and the programming and everything else dictate that. Mm -hmm. So you've kind of mentioned it already, but when you're going into a project, you're trying to get at the why. Yeah. Maybe that is the first step. If so, like what does step two and three look like? What? How are you thinking about when you walk into someone's space like, just curious, how are you thinking about putting together the project? So it depends a lot on what that engagement looks like. So I ask, I ask a couple questions when I walk into a room in my head, and those are all about how the room gets utilized and what are the things that happen in it. So I've got some, some basic axioms that I, that, that I repeat often, and that's simply when you walk into a space, what you're, what you're looking at is, do we point the speakers at the people? And then do we point the people <laughs> at the speaker? And that affects audio and video and sight lines and seating and room shaping and acoustics and all of those pieces together. And it is amazing the sheer amount of rooms that were installed that you can fix with some quick links from Home Depot just because the speakers aren't aimed <laughs> properly. And doing wow. a couple angle adjustments and some room tuning can make a massive difference. Yeah. Part of the challenge in my own uh, life, uh, being a part of a couple building programs, is that you, you design something starting a few years in advance of when you're actually going to be in it. And then by the time you're in it, you're, you've kind of passed some of those markers that you were shooting for. Like, 
in our example, our kids' rooms were not big enough or we didn't have enough of them the minute we moved in, like just right away. Yeah. And so we got portable buildings and all kinds of stuff. So how do you balance that out when you're talking with churches where, you know, they have limited resources, but you also don't want them to shortchange their, you know, be too short-sighted? Sure. One of the big things that we really are excited about that the I think the industry as a whole is moving towards is a lot of more software-defined hardware. So this started a lot with digital consoles and FPGAs and, you know, you come along, there's a firmware update and your console has twice the capacity that it had before. Well, that's happening a lot on the video side too. So you can figure out how to put something in that gives them the hardware they need today and then, you know, has that room so in three years they need to expand it out. They just unlock a license key and they can do that. So focusing on the fundamentals getting them the things they need, figuring out how the system that you are putting in isn't maxed out from day one, that a system can support what they might want to do with it, or a new worship leader comes in, or a new tech director, and they have some different ideas, or a pandemic hits, and we need to completely change how we do our services. How do we do that, and how do we put a system in that has that right balance of how much future infrastructure do you need to balance and offset not wasting a lot of money just putting wires all over the place if everything's going to be fiber in the future. Right, right. That I think that's always difficult. Sure, yeah. In uh, a lot of churches of a certain size, the system just by its very nature needs to be complex. Uh, when you start talking about audio and video and lighting and streaming and iMag and all those things. And then you have this component of volunteerism, like people who are just giving their time after work to, you know, run the gear, take care of the gear, uh, you know, manage the system. I mean, are you finding that the stuff that's available to us, the gear that's available to us now is too advanced for that to be successful? Or, or are we in a great spot that, you know, oh, there's no reason that all the things we do can't be volunteer friendly? I don't think there's any reason that everything can't be volunteer friendly. Sometimes in systems, there's a lot of complexity that goes in behind the scenes so that a simple on-off button on a touch panel does a lot of things. And systems and complexity behind that can get expensive, but the advantage is anybody can walk in and use that room. And training you know, can be you know, 30 seconds of, here's the five things that you need to see. And that's fantastic. I, I think the also just some of the commoditization of hardware, like things that, that Blackmagic is doing, as they can expand out and sell, you know, thousands upon thousands of devices, um, they can do a lot more with it. And suddenly you get a lot of capacity that you never had the opportunity before when you were kind of on a, you know, a niche boutique manufacturer who was only doing a couple hundred units. So I think all of that is just like, it's a really exciting time to be able to do a lot of things with not a lot right? that we've never really had before. It's a pretty good period. Yeah, that's cool. I think too, as you were answering the question, one of the great things about digital audio consoles is the whole virtual sound check that now suddenly you have mm -hmm. volunteers who can come in and just practice on the console with a mix, with a live band, which, yeah, before you know, was not something you could do. So you, the only, the only time you're learning is when you're in the middle of it, which isn't always the easiest. It's, it's learning for the volunteers. The other thing that changes too is it's the first time that really that the worship leader can get off of stage 
and see how what they're doing and the choices they make are translating into that right. space, which yeah. isn't something they really get to do. So now they can come off and work with their team. And again, we talk about like just kind of figuring out like, you know, tech booth versus stage and getting them to work together. Right, right. When you can bring them back and figure out together what is the sound of the house, what are the choices that you're making, and you can all be in the same environment doing that together. Virtual sound check is fantastic. Yeah, that. yeah. I uh, There's a church locally here to us that on Monday morning or maybe Tuesday, I don't, it doesn't matter, but after Sunday, the pastor, the worship leader, and the tech director sit down and listen to the service in the room and just kind of talk about, yeah, yeah. I really love what you're doing here. We need to be more like this over there. You know, just trying to define what it needs to sound like, which I think... A lot of times it feels like we don't get that kind of feedback that, you know, we're just, you know, can be left in the booth to be doing it and no one's really telling us, well, it needs to sound less, less of that, more of this. And so we, we don't, yeah, it's hard to succeed when you don't know what you're kind of shooting for. I think it's also hard to succeed when you don't have an environment where you can have constructive criticism. You know, if everything is just very one-sided, you hear about the mistakes that you made or what happened that was bad. Well, right. if you're, you know, if you're a tech artist, you already know what was bad. <laughs> like it's painfully obvious. You're beating yourself up for it. You know, the the question is how do, how do we take that and figure out where we want to go? Or if we're running at 90%, how do we get to 95%? How do we do that next thing better? Right, right. And I I find that pulling those together instead of, you know, effectively beating a dead horse over what went wrong is also getting through and figuring out how can we work together to make something better for next time. Right, right. Bouncing a little bit back to the kind of the reason why, when you're, you know, why do we need certain system or pieces of gear or whatever? Do you find that that's hard to get at the answer or are you asking questions and you're uncovering the answer yourself or are people able actually to articulate those things? I'd say probably most of the time they're able to articulate them because most of the time it's pretty obvious where uh, we're portable and we need to move into a, a new space. We're building a new building where we're maxed out. Uh, we we miss streaming capability uh, and we've you know uh, understood that that's really important in this last mm -hmm. season and we want to make sure that that works well in the future. It really, like those questions are about not so much determining what the tech solution is, because at the end of the day, a lot of it is very much budget driven. And a lot of it is going to be almost the same gear. The question is how you use yeah, it. Yeah. How do you arrange it? What's the story of that church? How are they actually, you know, using that as the next step in their timeline? Yeah. So as you're going through these projects, uh, just you personally, like, what are you gravitating to uh, yourself? Do you love to kind of understand the whole scope of things or do you love like digging deep into like one thing and figuring it out? Like what, I guess it's a personality question. Which, which part of it do you love the most? Yes. <laughs> so for, I think, I think the big thing, uh, what I love is I, I, I love being able to touch all the different areas and seeing how they all interconnect. And it goes from technology to how people use those systems and the psychology behind it. A lot of those pieces all tie together. And then I also super enjoy doing really, really deep dives into small areas. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's always been fun because it's all about continuously learning. 
right. and figuring out what the next thing is and what's interesting and asking the right questions. Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, one of those examples is Nate made a little uh, 3D printed stand for the new Blackmagic ATEM Mini to kind of keep it off the, the tabletop and let it, you know, because they get pretty hot. And I bought a couple of these from Amplio and they came with the little stands. And then I was telling somebody about it and we like Googled it and we're like, oh, there's Nate's plans on the internet. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how your brain works. Give but, it away on Thingiverse. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was my first time at Thingiverse, too. That was pretty cool. That is an amazing deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, any uh, any particular way people can reach out to you or to Amplio or, like, what's the – if they have questions about their system? Sure. I mean, the, the biggest thing is I'd love to be able to talk and connect with people directly. So feel free to email me, just nate at ampliosystems.com or website, which is obvious as well. Honestly, Ted, I just got to say, like, I really appreciate us being able to be a part of Philo and a bit of your story mm -hmm. and coming alongside what you're doing and help making that a little bit better, a little bit more interesting and the small part we get to play. It's, that's been a fantastic journey of this entire thing. And uh, and hopefully that partnership is very similar to the way we work with churches as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. You guys have been so great. And I missed the donut wall, I have to say. I'm ready to have that back at, at, at a conference soon. But uh Anyway, yeah, thanks for making time today just to have a chat. And, yeah, thanks for your partnership and friendship. Yeah, it means a lot. So Thank you, Dad. One, two, three, I really love the idea of figuring out the why behind what we're doing. I mean, Nate said it so well that many times the gear necessary doesn't change, but how it gets used is the thing that changes. You can't know that unless you first understand the why. And one of my favorite things we talked about was the idea that when we have limited resources, which we all do, that we need to get creative about how to solve problems. Money can't always be the answer, but how our process works or who we have on our team or how we reimagine how we do services. And I think constraints really do make things better. Learning about Seacoast, their multi-site model was the result of their town not allowing them to expand their original facility to accommodate more people. So they had to figure out a new way of doing things. And that was kind of in the heyday of when Nate was there. So yeah, what a great example. Okay, now it's time for our big announcement that frankly, if you follow us on social media, you've already heard about this, but we finally have dates for Philo Chicago 2021. We're planning an in-person Philo conference on May 11th and 12th at Willow Creek Community Church in South Barrington, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. So we're really excited to be partnering with the folks at Willow again and love that we have dates for all of us to start planning for. So you could check out our website, philo.org. All the details are there. We're also running a contest in the month of October for those of you who purchase tickets. You'll have a chance to win free coffee for a year. That's right, free coffee for a year and a Philo Ember mug. So I don't know if you know what an Ember mug is, but it's like a USB controlled coffee mug that keeps your liquids hot. And you can even specify the temperature from your phone. Anyway, it's a Philo branded Ember mug. And it's a revelation. I love using my Ember mug. Anyway, you can head to our website, philo.org and go to our events tab. And all the info you need is there about how to win coffee, how to buy tickets, how to get the Ember mug. And I'm really looking forward for the chance to meet in person and learn together and be inspired together. So 
We hope to see you there. Go buy your tickets now for your chance again to win free coffee for a year and a free Ember mug. And also, everybody gets a free water bottle. So we'll mail it to you. Keep up to date with what's happening at Philo. You could subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. We'd love reviews. So on iTunes or Spotify or, again, wherever you're listening, give us a review. It helps us reach more technical artists around the world. And uh, you can follow us on at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at Philo Conference on Twitter. If you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, you can send us an email, philopodcast at philo.org. All right, see you next time.